seated. Woo! Man, don't, do we not have an incredible worship band and team? I'm so thankful for these guys. I was, I was telling them um, before service, uh, met with them back in the back. And if you're watching online or have been, we have got a link now. We stream to Facebook and YouTube. The quality on YouTube is so much better. So if you're trying to stream or want to share, uh, we're, we're pointing everybody toward the YouTube site because the quality is so much better on there. But I was telling them... Um, uh, uh, most of y'all know Kendall. Uh, he is over. Uh, he is. He, he had moved down to Birmingham and started going to my brother's church, and actually is now over there. Media and, and the aspects of that down there is doing it. So so proud of him. But Friday, uh, I sent a link to my brother. Said, "Hey man, check out our cover uh, of the Sting and uh, uh, Disturbed uh, song. Um, if I ever lose my faith in you." Well, he was like, "Man." Y'all's video and sound production, and I've seen the YouTube, uh, uh, are incredible. So Bob told me that Thursday, Kendall showed up and said, hey, you're making me look bad. I need to know what y'all are doing up here to make things. So it, it is nice to be able to learn from each other and the work that our team, our camera crew, lights, sound man, Thank you guys so much. Y'all are learning. You're quick to just jump in there, and it's awesome. Can we give them a hand clap? Thank you. Um, before we jump in today, each week on video. So uh, look for, yeah, we're going, it's going to be a fun series. So, hey, have you ever looked at someone and uh, your kid, your spouse, an adult, a coworker, somebody just said, grow up. Come on, have you ever done that? Just grow up. Here in the South, what you will hear men say, if they feel belittled or if they feel like you act like they don't know what to do, they'll say something like, hey, I'm a grown man. They'll put a little something in between grown and man. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Don't make me spell it out for you. Here's the problem. Most of the time when they make that statement, they're doing something that is stupid, immature, and does not represent a grown man. Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Uh, it's almost, I, I've seen, I, here's the thing. I've seen 15-year-old teenagers that are mature beyond their age. And then I've seen 30, 40, 50 on up adults that are still trying to act like they're 15 years old. You know, I told him, I t <laughs> who said sorry? <laughs> At least he's honest. Uh, but I told the staff, I said, hey, after today's message, they may wish I was back in the hospital. <laughs> they may wish that Casey or, or Pastor Dave was back up here. But uh, it, grow up, it, it's not, and I understand what I'm just I want to keep that youthful, that youthful vigor. That you, but you're not doing it in a good way. Grow up. I think that happens in church a lot too. People say a prayer, they get saved, and and, and, and they they feel like, hey, I've reached my destination as a, as a follower of Jesus. But it's just the beginning. 
See, I'll, I'll work out, uh, well, before, and hopefully I'll be able to do it here soon, over at Hammer Time Fitness uh, in Spring City. And what I see a lot, I've talk, actually talked to Ben about this, there's a couple of people, I see their faces, and I know what they will do. They'll come in, all the gym clothes on. They look like they're there to work out. And what I've watched them do is find somebody on a machine, on a treadmill, elliptical trainer, and go start up a conversation with them. And it doesn't matter. They will follow you from machine, but they never touch a piece of equipment. The biggest thing they lifted when they walked in there was their lip. And I remember this happening uh, before being on the, the gym over here, and I was working down at Atlas in Dayton. And there was a gentleman that would come in there, me, as me and Josh, I'll tell you how long ago, uh, would work out, and there was one guy, he would come in there, and it, he never touched a piece of equipment, but he always wanted to talk to us. And I am one of those, and I've asked God to help me to, because when I go in, I put my, my, my beats in, and, and I am zoned out. And people leave and look at me, are you mad? No, it's just my workout faces. Because I, I, I'm zoned in. I don't want to be bothered. And God has had to help me because I realize, hey, at the gym, I need to be more sensitive to what God is saying to me about talking to people and praying. But anyway, uh, but this guy, he wasn't being sensitive at all. Uh, <laughs> he would just carry on conversation. I remember one time he came in, he, he, he was like, man, I went to check up. Uh, to the doctor for a checkup this week, my physical. And he said, after we're going through that, the doctor said, hey, have you ever thought about finding an exercise routine or working out? And this guy was highly offended that the doctor couldn't tell that he worked out or didn't go exercise. He, that the doctor couldn't tell he spent a couple of hours almost every day in the gym. But could not tell. And there's a lot of church people like that. They show up to church hour and a half a week, sometimes on Wednesdays. But nobody outside the church circle would ever have guessed that they're a follower of Jesus because their actions, their words, the way they love, the way they show grace do not line up with what they're saying. Are you following me? Sounds like a lot of church people. And one of the most frustrating things as a pastor to me and as a follower of Jesus is how someone, I've seen it because I grew up in church, is how people can attend church 5, 10, 15, 20 years and on, yet nothing ever changes about them. They can attend church on a weekly basis, yet their moral standards, their values are not different from the world's standards at all. They attend church for years, and yet they remain the most hateful, self-righteous uh, person that could ever be. Come on, are you with me? And, nothing, and they, they, it's okay because well, that's just the way I am. They know what the Bible says about certain things in their life, but they refuse to change anything or allow Holy Spirit to speak to them about areas in their life because, hey, I like this part of my life. But here's what the Apostle Paul said, 1 Corinthians. 
He said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But hey, when I became a man, I put away the childhood behind me. I love the way the passion paraphrase it is. Pull that up. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child. And I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I had to mature and set aside my childish ways. Paul is saying, hey, there was a time when I acted like a child. I reasoned like a child. I thought like a child. You know why? Because I was a child. But there came a day where I had to, hey, I've got to grow up at some point. I've got to grow up. I'm not a child anymore. And one of the things that after having these two surgeries back to back is I realize is this. I'm not 21 any longer. I do not rebound like I used to. I mean, I used to get hurt. I uh, I grew up doing stupid stuff, uh, and I still do stupid stuff on occasions. I'm an adrenaline junkie, but I can rebound. But at 53, I, I at least I was like, man, I'm I'll be back in no time. Six weeks before I can hit the gym, I'll be back. Be a while before I can walk a long distance. Huh. Man, man, Casey, I showed them. I went to the Tennessee Vols game last Saturday. And I was stinking worn out. <laughs> you think, but I had to learn a hard lesson for me. I had to grow up and begin to listen to the doctors. I had to begin to listen to my wife and others. And, and not just do what I thought was best for me. I had to become a follower of what they told me. And that being, being a follower of what the doctor told me, what my wife told me, that required me doing what they told me to do. Are you following me? And that brings me to my first point. You're probably going to hear this a lot. Uh, is this, there's a difference in someone who follows Jesus and someone who is just fond of Jesus. Are you hearing me? A follower actually follows Jesus. Someone fond of Jesus, they like the idea of it. Are you following me? There's a difference. There's a difference. If you're a follower of Jesus, let, let me say this. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, question, and I, I want you to participate. How many would say, okay, Kelly, I really do want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you want to grow, raise your hand. Raise your hand, yeah. It, honestly, if you're a follower of Jesus, your hand should be up. I, I want to grow, I, and I love that. But here's the thing, according to the Bible, growing people change. Growing people change. I'll even go as far as say this. If you're not changing, you're not following Jesus. Let's make it. I mean, can I make it? In, see, send me all. Uh, where's uh, Pastor Casey? <laughs> because here's the thing. You cannot consistently walk and follow Jesus and things not change about you. 
It is impossible to be around Jesus, to follow him and things not be different if you're in your life. Because if we are consistently walking, following Jesus, he is going to be changing things in us, around us, and through us. Come on now. And here's the thing. I'm talking to those that just got saved. And I'm also talking to people that have been walking with Jesus 50 years. Something should always be changing in you. The Apostle Paul, I love love him, one of my favorite people in the Bible. Arguably, if you had a top 10 list of people in the Bible, of people that really influenced the gospel, he would probably be in the top three. I mean, he wrote a third of the New Testament. He saw Jesus face to face on the road to Damascus. Uh, he healed people. Paul was preaching. For those that think I preached too long, listen, here's what happened to Paul one time. Paul was preaching. He'd been preaching so long. A young man was sitting in the window listening, fell asleep, fell out the window, died. They told Paul. Paul went downstairs, laid hands on him. The guy came back to life. Paul went back upstairs, started preaching again. Paul did some amazing things. And here's the reason I'm pointing this out. If there was anyone that we could say, man, they had it together. They reached the pinnacle when it comes to following Jesus. If there was anyone we could, I would say Paul would be it. But yet I want you to look what Paul says in Philippians 3.10. He says, I want to what? I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection, participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Paul says, I want to know Christ. What do you mean, Paul, you want to know Christ? Good Lord, how much more do you want? You raised a, guy, a kid from the dead. You saw Jesus face to face. You performed miracles and healings. And yet you say, I want to know Christ. Honestly, Paul, it doesn't get any better than what you've done. Paul says, yes, I've done all these things. I've experienced all these things, but there is more to God. There is more to Jesus, and that's what I want. Here's the thing. If Paul had the mindset that he didn't know Jesus like he needed to know him, shouldn't we have that mindset? That, hey, I don't know Jesus near like I need to know Jesus. And Paul continues in verse 12, not that I've already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul says, I haven't arrived in my relationship with Jesus. I'm pressing on in even more. And as I'm walking with Jesus, as I'm following Jesus, Jesus is going to be transforming me daily because I've not attained it. Then 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I haven't arrived yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul says, forgetting what is behind me. Do you know what Paul was talking about when he says, forgetting what is behind me? His religious days. His religious days, the things he had accomplished, the things he had seen. See, one of the issues, because Paul saw a lot of things, and he's like, you know what, that's great, but there's more to Jesus. 
one of the things that people that grew up in church and we that grew up, in, we're, we're bad about doing this. We'll go on a missions trip or we'll help somebody on the side of the road or we'll give toward a special offering and then we'll spend the next 10 years patting ourselves on the back for all we did for God. When all we did was give back to God what he gave us in the first place. Paul says, listen, I've had some great religious experiences. I've had some encounters with God that would blow your mind. But that's in the past. I'm not going to camp out here in those experiences. I'm looking, God, what's next? Jesus, what's next? Forgetting what is behind. Straining toward. In other words, I've got to put forth some effort in this. I'm not just going to wait. God, here I am. Hit me with a lightning bolt. Change me. He said, no, I'm, I'm straining toward it. I'm putting forth effort. In verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying, listen, I understand this fact. Growing people change. They change. Man, I said this a while ago. Bob and them saying last week, we go from glory to glory. That's biblical. That, that's scripture. So again, I will ask participation required. Who would say, Kelly, I really do want to grow in my relationship. Come on. All right. Great. Great. I want to give you, and I'm going to be quick. I promise. Don't, don't freak out by my number. Eight ways to grow your relationship with Christ. And I'm going to be very practical because I'm one, y'all, I said this last week, I'm one of those that would rather, hey, tell me exactly what you're talking about. Don't try to paint a picture for me. I'm the dumb it down for me. Hey, I'm a kiss guy. Keep it simple, stupid. You know, are y'all with me? Uh, that, that, that's, that's the me. Uh, before we dive in, let me, let me say something about these. These eight things that we're about to discuss has nothing to do with God's love for you. God's love for you remains the same whether you do any of these or not. This is about your growth, your growth. And like I said, we're going to keep it very practical. So number one, read your Bible. Read your Bible. When I was growing up, I shared this a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night. When I was growing up, everybody didn't have access to a Bible. Are you with me? Uh, in fact, that's why the Gideons began to put Bibles in, into uh, hotels. And here, here's a little trivia for you. You know the number one uh, shoplifted book in the world? The Bible. Say, that crazy? <laughs> you steal a book that says don't steal. Not you heathens. Anyway. <laughs> and so, but nowadays, if you've got a smartphone, You've got the Bible. You can download the, uh, the app. And, and, man, I've put this so, out there so much. Craig, Rochelle, and his team ought to pay me for advertising their Bible app so much. But uh, you, it's free. It'll give you every translation there is. In fact, I was telling Dee this this morning. When I was sitting over there in the hospital, and they were told me, told me my bowels weren't working correctly, that they need to come alive. I said, you know what? I said, Dee, you know what I did? I would turn because you can press, and it'll read the word out to you. I said that nobody was in the room but me. Denise had gone. I would l get it to read and then lay it on my stomach and let the word of God just begin to just. 
I'm telling you, there is no excuse. So the problem is not getting the Bible into people's hands. The problem today we have, even with Christians, is getting you to engage in the Bible. Engage in it. Uh, to, to, to really dig in. I, I've been ch- to church for mo- in church most of my life. I've been a senior pastor for the last nine years, and I'm amazed at how many more people will come and say, Pastor, I just want to hear from God. I, I just want to hear him speak. But they never take time to dig into his word. Here's a fact, truth. We don't read the Bible to discover what to do. We read the Bible to discover who God is because we will never do what he has called us to do until we truly understand who he is. You want to, know, you want to grow in Jesus? You want to grow in your faith? You've got to know and understand who Jesus is, and that starts with reading your Bible. Well, PK, the Bible is just so boring. Have you read the Bible? I mean, that's what I want to say. I'm talking, the Bible has everything that a good movie has in it. I'll say this. If you were to actually make a movie of the Bible with everything that's in it, it would have, at the very minimum, an R rating, if not NC-17. I mean, it's got drama, it's got sex, it's got violence, it's got people doing things that you never thought people would do. It's got your heroes, the bad guys. It's got everything in it. And in fact, I've come up with this idea for a t-shirt company, for Christian t-shirts. And I said, I just want to make t-shirts with, because we've all, you know, we all got these these verses that we love putting on T-shirts. I said, I just want to put random scriptures on T-shirts. That make no sense when people read it. Like, can you imagine walking around and Judas went out and hanged himself? Just random. And I've even got the name for my T-shirt company. Script T's. Don't tell me that won't stop. I'm telling you. I, I, I'm, you think I'm, I've got my son-in-laws working with me on this to make this, uh, to, to make this, uh, get it out there. Because I'm like, I think I'm sitting on a gold mine. Anyway, the name alone will sell. Anyway, let's go. Well, PK, um, it, it doesn't really relate to our world today. It's ancient. Well, here's what Hebrews 4.12 says. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's alive and active. How many know there's a big difference between being alive and being alive and active? You can lay in bed all day. You may be alive, but you are not alive and active. I like to describe my wife as alive and active. Because I'm going to tell you, we come home, the house can be clean. It can look, to me, it looks great. Next thing I know, got her, she's got her little, uh, little, little broom out. She's got stuff out. Why, wow, she's alive and active. She's looking for things that I don't see. And that's what the Word of God does. It's alive and active in things we may not see in our life. It is penetrating every part of us, looking for dust particles, sin particles, that we are not even aware of, are there. It's alive and active. 
Well, PK, I don't know how, where to start. I don't have a Bible. Listen, if, if you would say, Kel, I truly don't have a Bible, I will, you will not leave here without a Bible. If you see me or one of our leaders, we'll put a Bible in your hand. You got a phone, you don't know what the Bible app, see one of us. We'll make sure you get on that today. I'm telling you now. So, so you want to grow as a follower? Read your Bible. Second one. This is going to be a, it's going to be a biggie. No, oh, shoot. I forgot to put it up there. Let's go back. Take that one off. The number two, pray. Pray. Act like y'all didn't see that next one. Pray. My dad had a saying that has stuck with me forever. He would say this, Kelly, if you had to pray to get saved, you probably got to pray to stay saved. And, I mean, the first prayer that you pray to get saved, that should just be a conversation starter. It should get you started on many more conversations. Uh, the Here's what the Apostle Paul said about praying, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. The NIV says pray without spray, pray continuously. The King James says pray without ceasing. Are you saying I should just pray all day long, Kelly? I've got to work. I've got to get some things done. I can't just go around praying. Here's the way I like to, to, to describe it to people. What if I got up in the morning, spent 10 to 15 minutes with Denise, we talked, had a cup of coffee together. I left and I said, you know what? See the same time in the morning, and we don't speak again till the next morning. How well do you think our relationship is going to be? But here's what we'll do. I'll call throughout the day, or she'll call me just checking in on me. We'll send, listen, hey, we've been married 30, 30 years, and we'll still send each other little texts, little emojis, I love you. I love you. Hey, never mind. I started <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for filters. My wife is praising the Lord. But here's what it is. It's a continual conversation. It's where I'll take just a moment to reach out to my wife, take a moment to see how her day's going. She'll reach out to me. And that's what praying without ceasing. Hey, I'm going out throughout my day, and I see, a sun, see the sunrise, or I see, or I see something. God, you are amazing. Wow, God, thank you. Thank you for that. Or something happens over here. God, you know what? I need, your, I need your help in this situation. It's back and forth conversation throughout the day. Pray, pray. That's the way you can, you, you can grow your relationship. The, it, see, communication builds intimacy. It builds closeness to God. The same if I only talked to my wife 10 or 15 minutes once a day, we would not have closeness. There would be no intimacy. There would be, it, it wouldn't be there. It's continuous communication. You want to grow on your faith? Pray. Third thing. And this says number two, but it's really number three. Baptism. Now, let me be clear. Baptism does not save you. It does not save you. Here's the way I like to describe what baptism is. It is a prophetic statement. You're saying, hey, when I go under this water, the man that comes out is the new person. I'm leaving the old man in the grave. I'm leaving him there. I know we were talking uh, 
Y'all think we talk about all sorts of spiritual stuff before service, but I was back there at the sound booth, and this is what the sound and media people do to you. They bring this out of you. And they were talking about tattoos and like, hey, I'm going to get a little teardrop into my eye. I said, doesn't that mean you've murdered someone? And Ben was like, I'm just going to get a half one because I thought about killing someone. Uh, (laughs) And I said, you know what? I I thought I'm going to make it spiritual. I'm going to get one. And when someone asks me, I'm going to say, hey, I killed my old man. And they'll they'll think I killed my dad. No, I mean the old man, the old man, the old me that was there. And that's what baptism is. It is saying, hey, I am brand new from this point. Here's what Jesus tells the people in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. Then what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What's the first thing Jesus said to do once they surrender their life? Be baptized. There are 27 references to baptism in the Bible. They are all after someone's conversion. And they're all immersion, fully underwater. Here's what I'm saying. If you were baptized before you fully surrendered your life to Jesus, whether you were sprinkled, whether you were baptized as a kid and you didn't understand it, if it happened to you before your life, you surrendered your life to Jesus, all you did was come out of that a wet sinner. You want to grow? Get baptized. And I've got great news for you. On Sunday, October 3rd, that's three weeks from today, we're going to be giving you the opportunity as a follower of Jesus to get baptized. All you got to do is fill out that Connect card, and we will get in touch with you. Because, I listen, man, we, I, I think it's a celebration. I think it's a celebration. Still one of my all-time favorites is, is when I got to baptize Boyd. Man, when he come up out of that water, I'm telling you, there was something different. And I love that. So I want to encourage you. Hey, and I'll say this. Maybe you were walking uh, so close to God and you were baptized, but then you fell away and walked away from God for a while, but you've renewed that. I would suggest, hey, get baptized, man. So I'm leaving that man in the grave. The, the uh, fourth way to grow. We're going to run through these. Oh, man, this is going to be a good one. Regular church attendance. Maybe I should preach this with my back turned. Hold on one minute. <laughs> not once a month, not quarterly, not when all hell's breaking through my life. Regular church attendance. Come on. What, what, what if you were riding down the road, you came across an accident, and the person involved in the accident had lost their arm in the accident? And you happen to come across the arm lying in a ditch, and you decide, hey, I need an extra arm laying around the house. So you just take the arm home with you. If, if, do what? You want to know where it's going? Stay with me. Stay with me. No, let's move on to the next point. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Wouldn't that be stupid of us, though? Wouldn't we be considered a psychopath? 
We, we, we seem crazy. Why? Because before long, we know that arm is going to start to die. It is going to start to, 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 to just get ugly, and it's going to start stinking. Why? Because everybody knows if you detach it from its body, it will die. I get you. The reason a lot of people claiming to follow Jesus don't actually because there's nothing that by the lens that they, they have detached themselves from the body of Christ and they are slowly dying, deteriorating. And the thing is, we don't even know it. <laughs> oh man, so many thoughts running through my mind right now. See, I believe this. I truly believe this. And this is not to be harsh or mean. I just think the idea that you can follow Jesus and be so close on a consistent basis without being a part of a church, part of a body, it goes against 2,000 years of church history and hundreds of scriptures in the Bible. You're called. Look what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 10, 25. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. That's what has happened over the COVID. People have gotten the habit of not going. He says, now not the time to do that as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage, urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. Regular, being a part of the community that you're consistently meeting with, it will grow your faith. It will. Get involved. Number, uh, I don't even know because I'm mixed. Number four, five, confession and repentance. Get this. You know, the Bible says that one of the reasons someone may not receive their healing is because they won't confess. I mean, look at James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that what? So that you'll be healed. Uh, hear me very clearly. I am not naive enough to tell you to go on Facebook and start confessing your sins. I am not even naive enough to tell you to tell your closest friends. What I am saying is when you're part of a community and you know there are people in that circle you can trust, that what you say between you and them don't go any further than that. And you say, hey, here's where I'm struggling. Hey, here's where I've fallen short. I'm telling you, that brings healing to your life. It brings healing. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 14 if you've got a Bible. If not, we're going to bring it up on what Casey likes to call the Sky Bible. Verse 1, look at this. Some of the elders of Israel came to me, sat down in front of me. Then the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, these men have set up idols where? And put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them pray to me at all? Should I let them inquire of me? Verse 4, therefore speak to them and tell them this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces, and then they go to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer myself in keeping with their great idolatry. Verse 5, I will do this to recapture the hearts of the people. 
who have all deserted me for their idols. Here's what God is saying. If you come to church with an idol in your heart, follow me, stay with me. The only thing you're probably going to hear that day has something to do with the idol that you've set up in your heart. In other words, I could do this, talk about tithing, giving. What you're probably going to hear all the church wants is my money. It's all they ever talk about. They just want my money. If Kelly, if I get up here and I talk about sex and what the Bible says, about all Kelly talks about is sex. Outside of marriage, that's outside of marriage. That's all he talks about. All Kelly talks about is overeating, and how much of a sin it is as, as anything else. Which the Bible does say that, but that's all you're going to hear. You're not going to hear that the Bible says this: Hey, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit; that you should treat it well. Hey, you know, I could get up here and talk about forgive. Oh, oh, he talks about. He don't know what I've been through. I can't forgive them if he knew what I was. In. But that's all you hear. All he talks about is serving. You got to serve. I ain't got time to serve. You don't hear. Well, I'm gonna get ahead of myself. Let's go. Do you know why that's all you hear? Because that's the idol that has been set up in your heart. And do you know why it's so painful? Because it hurts to have an idol ripped out of your heart. Come on. Confession and repentance. I, I tell you, I, I love it when someone be honest with me. Kelly, you know what? Hey, you, you spoke on this. Can I be honest? I was a little offended because of this blah, blah, blah. And they give me a chance to say, well, here's what the Bible, let's look at why you were offended. Was it something I said or was it Holy Spirit just piercing your heart? The sixth way. Oh, this is going to get better. Bring it up. I don't even want to say it. <laughs> the only thing people dislike talking about giving more is when I talk about sex. Sex and giving. I, oh, man, those are always two biggies in church. Even though... Jesus talked about giving more than anything else in the Bible. And God created sex, yet we don't want to talk about it. Come on. But, but hey, I, I've done made you really uncomfortable or mad at me today, so let's deal with all the idols. Let's just throw it out there. Um, my brother Chris, who pastors at A2 uh, in Birmingham, um, called A2 Church, he said, it's like when it, become, it comes to being a Tennessee Vols fan. He said, I could be more vocal here than I can at my own church about being. See, in Alabama, you're either an Alabama fan or an Auburn fan. There is no mixing of the two. There is, listen, they, they would rather have their leg cut off than root for the other team, whichever one they like. I mean, they are that serious. You cannot be both. Chris says, I can get in there and talk all I want about being a Tennessee fan. They don't really care, especially with our record. What have I got to brag about? <laughs> Although, hey, I'll take a win. I don't care if we played a high school team yesterday. We won, and Florida lost. Where's Daniel at? I won't get to say that next week, so I'm going to rub it in today, Daniel. My, our, our pastor, Victor Massey, he was a hardcore Auburn fan. 
And he would tell you, man, he said, listen, there is no, no, you cannot root at all for Alabama if you're an Auburn fan, vice versa. He would tell us about fights in his family that literally broke out because you had an Auburn fan and an Alabama fan. And here's the thing. Jesus felt the same way when it comes to certain things. You cannot be a fan of this and then also a fan of this. Look what he says in Matthew 6, 21. This is Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Passion paraphrases it like this. Your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. Then drop down to verse 24. This is Jesus talking. How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. Mm. Get this. I find this fascinating. Jesus didn't say the number one competitor for your heart was Satan. You hear me? He said the number one competitor for your heart is money. It's money. You cannot worship the true God and stay enslaved to the God of money. You want to grow in your faith with God? I'm telling you, say, God, you know what? I don't even know what this looks like. That's why I love the Bible. It says, hey, God, this is the only area you've heard me say this where God says, test me. Test me. Try. See if you can outgive me. See if you can do it. So I, I, I tell you, you want to grow in your faith and your walk with Jesus? Learn to faithfully give to God. And I could do a lot more teaching on this, and I may at a later date once it's died down. Uh, number seven, share Jesus. Sharing Jesus. I can tell you 100% this will grow your faith. While I was sick, um, Jesse Chambliss, they're not here this morning. I just got out of the hospital and, uh, and for, for the second time, and get a text from Jesse, ask me how I'm doing. He says, hey, man, I want to talk to you about something I got going on at work. And, uh, man, I was tired. And I said, man, I'll call you tomorrow. Next day, I forget to call him. I get a text from him the following day asking me, hey, man, how you doing? And I said, man, I apologize. I didn't get back in touch with you. And he, he begins to tell me that he, he, called, he started a new job a few weeks ago. He says he's working with this guy and had been sharing with this guy that he drives a truck with every day about how God had shown up giving him this job that he's on. How God showed up, gave them a house closer to the church. How God showed up and began to do all these things in his, in his life. And he just began to share with this guy about the goodness of God. The next day, this, this man that he barely knew begins to share with Jesse about some things he's going through. And this person that called, and Jesse called and says, I felt like God was wanting me to pray with him, but I just met him, and this is all still new to me. So I just wanted to ask you how to go about it. He said, but when I couldn't get a hold of you, I just kept hearing God say, call him, pray with him, call him, pray with him. He said, so I was willing, he said, because it was so uncomfortable for me, P.K., but I stepped out of my uncomfortableness and began to pray with this guy. And he said, man, that guy began to open up even more. And I said, Jesse, you know what I think happened? 
I said, I believe God had allowed it to where I didn't get a hold of you. To where you would be forced to step outside of that comfort zone and begin to spread and share the gospel about the goodness of God in your life. Because sometimes we have to be willing to take a... No, not sometimes. Most times we have to be willing to step outside of what we're comfortable with to go where God is trying to lead us. Sharing Jesus grows your faith. Look at uh, Philemon 1.6. It says, and I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. One of the reasons people don't know what we have in Christ, and I'm wrapping this up, is because they've never heard someone talk about the goodness of God in their life. This gentleman didn't know Jesus, but when he heard Jesse talking about the goodness of God in his life, he wanted to know more. See, he had, Jesse had no, what he was, had no idea that he was doing what this verse said. He was just simply sharing what Jesus had done. If I could get Bob or one of you guys to come on up. PK, I just don't know how to share Jesus. just don't know how to share my faith. I want to help you learn. And I want to give you a couple of suggestions. This is not in your notes, but I want to give you a couple of suggestions. A couple of things I recommend. I recommend you sitting down and writing out your testimony. Write it out. What God did for you, where you were, what God has done. And then, you know, my second suggestion is practice share it with someone. Get a friend. Hey, let me, and here, I will also say this. Keep it. No more than three to five minutes because you can keep someone's attention for three to five minutes. But, hey, can I share this with you? Let, let me practice this with you. Practice on each other. Begin to practice to how to share your faith because it will grow your faith. And here's what will happen. When you write it out and begin to practice it over and over in your head, it becomes natural to you. And there's going to be a time where you're not even thinking about sharing it. You're just out talking with a friend, and all of a sudden, bam, you begin to share your testimony because it has become so common in your head head. Write it out. Practice it. You want to grow in your faith. Read your Bible. Get baptized. Be consistent in showing up at church. Confession, repentance, giving, tithing, share your faith. Finally, somebody say, finally. finally. Serve. serve. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, serve. serve. And you'll know if they're not serving because they won't look you straight in the eye. You want to grow your faith. Serve. In fact, I'm going to go a step further. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are not called simply to attend church. You are called to serve. When I was in the hospital, especially the second time, I gained a whole new respect for those in the medical field. When I went back the second time, I'd had those two surgeries and had gotten out and day two I was out, man, I was throwing up just this this black fluid, this black stuff. I mean, it was black as it could be. And Denise called and they said, yeah, get him, get him to the ER. And uh, get checked in there, get in the ER, in my, get in the room there in the ER. And this uh, guy, this nurse comes in. He says, okay, what we're going to do, what the doctors told us to do, we're going to run this tube down your nose. 
down inside of you, down your, and begin to pump that stuff out of you to give your bowels a chance to rest. And so he says, and I'm just going to tell you, this is not going to be comfortable. And But can I tell you, when you're hurting, you don't care. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to give you something. He gave me the water and it starts. He said, when I tell you to, I want you to sit up. He said, then I want you to just begin to drink. Drink out that straw as quickly as you can. And, um, I, and I'm like, okay, because, man, I was just, I was sick. So he got it started, and he said, okay, now, I began to drink and drink. And then they knew I'd be, and then I just projectile vomited all over this nurse. It was all over me. It was all over the floor. And I just, I began to profusely apologize. I am so sorry. He said, hey, hey, hey. Don't apologize. Why? Because he knew that's part of his job. It's what he does. As a follower of Jesus, when I show up at church, I don't expect to leave this building as clean and as nice smelling as I show up. I expect to get dirty. I expect to get a little blood on my hands. I expect to not smell the same when I walk out of here. Why? Because that is part of it. When we minister to the broken, when we serve the broken, when we serve the hurting, when we serve. Why? Because that's what we are here to do. Not just the pastors, but church, you. You. For a hospital for the broken, like we say we are. For a hospital for the wounded, the hurting, the jacked up. We have not been called to simply attend church. We have been called to serve. And sometimes that means we get dirty. I tell you, over the past hour and a half, we've had people all over this church getting their hands dirty by serving. WB Kids getting their hands dirty. Why? To pour into our kids. The nursery, literally some of them getting their hands dirty and poopy. Our ushers and greeters that show up an hour before service, they're ready to get their hands dirty. Our security team, our worship band that shows up two and a half hours before service. We've got people on Wednesday nights getting their hands dirty. Thursday night at CR, they're getting their hands dirty. Friday night at our Hope Ministry, getting their hands dirty. Why? Because we are called to serve. And sometimes that means we get vomit on us. We get blood on us. We get the smell on us. This church is going to be and do what God has placed it here to do. Be and do. Listen to me. We've got to have more people step up and serve. This church needs you. But let me be even more clear. You need this church. You need this church. When you begin to serve, you get your hands dirty, you begin to grow and mature in ways you never thought you could. Now I'm going to close with this. At the Last Supper, Jesus was sitting there with his disciples to serve them communion and told them that 
hey, one of you is going to betray me. You know what the disciples began to do after Jesus serves them communion and, and he tells them, hey, one of you guys is going to betray me. You know what they did, began to do, the disciples? They began to argue who, who's greatest. Jesus hears this and he looks at them and he says this in Luke 22, verse 25. Jesus interrupted their argument saying, the kings and men of authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects, claiming that if they do it for the good of the people, they are obsessed without others see them. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a different model. The greatest one among you will live as one called to what? Called to what? Others without honor. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one who has a servant's heart. Look at verse 27. The leaders who are served are the most important in your eyes. But in the kingdom, it is the servants who lead. And he says, am I not here with you as one who serves? John records this happening that night. John 13. Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. See, the custom of that day, because they walked around in sandals, they would walk these roads where their feet would just get disgusting. Dust all of them. Uh, if animals walking on the road and they stepped, I mean, manure, everything all over them feet. So what you would do when you arrived at someone's house, the lowest form of servant, the lowest servant on the totem pole, what their job was to wash your feet. And Jesus that night, King of kings, Lord of lords, Stripped down to the lowest form of a servant to wash his disciples' feet. And, and this, this amazes me so much. He washed Peter's feet, who he knew was going to deny him. Even more, he washed Judas's feet. And he knew Judas was going to betray him. Why? Because Jesus said, Son of Man has come to serve, not to be served. Stand with me across this room. See, what Jesus was doing that day he was showing his disciples, you just got done arguing about who's the greatest. Let me show you something. I'm going to show you what real love is in the form of a servant. Because you don't deserve this. I'm willing, though, to get messy with you. I'm willing to, to get messy and dig down to the feet and wash this off your feet. Because that's how much I love you. Did the disciples warrant that kind of love? No. When we serve, it's not about what we get in return. We serve because that's what Jesus did for us. And I want to be just like Jesus. Why? Because here's your final note you can write down later. Saved people serve people.
say that. Save people. One more scripture, and I promise you we're done. I know I'm going over, but hey, I've been out for a while. Look what 1 Peter 4.10 says. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. We've all been equipped, empowered, and gifted to serve in some capacity. All of us. We're not asked to serve. We are called to serve. And you can offer up every excuse in the book, but there's a day coming when you will stand before God, and I wonder how your excuses about why you did not serve will measure up. Why are you going so hard on this, PK? Because if you call Watts Bar Community Church your home, then Denise and I are pastors and we truly care about you and we know that you will never fully become and step into what God has called you to be and do until you set yourself aside and begin to serve. I want you to grow in your faith. I don't want to pastor a bunch of babies. Are you hearing me? I want people that grow up. They grow up. In fact, I'll say it this way. Uh, boy, I'm not, in, I'm not interested in having church attendance. You know what I want? I want an army. I want an army that leaves this place with their mission, and they go out, and whatever it takes, they, they get the mission done. Well, PK, I don't really have any special skills to bring to the table. In fact, I'll just tell you, I'm the most unlikely person God would ever use. You don't know the bad stuff I've done. Well, here's some good news. God specializes in, in using people like you. Look at me. Think about this. When you look at the people that God chose to surround himself he didn't surround himself with the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious teachers, he or the experts in the law. He chose to surround himself with common, everyday people, the tax collectors, the fishermen, the prostitutes, the sinners. Get this. These are the people God chose to serve and distribute the gospel. And I'm not going to do that. Heads bowed, eyes closed stuff. Let's be real and let's be honest. If you say, Kelly, I want to grow in my faith, and I'm just going to be honest. There were at least a couple of those in that eight. That if I'm being honest, they kind of ticked me off, and I thought you were preaching right at me. But honestly, I know Holy Spirit was dealing with me. And there's some things in my life that have got to change if I want to grow. I've got to begin to do some things different if I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. Whether that's serving, whether that's reading your Bible more, whether that's making it a point to consistently show up at church, whether, that, whether, whether it's giving, but God has dealt with you. And you say, Kelly, I, I want to change those things because I want to grow up. Let you raise your hand. Man, I've got areas in my life I'm still trying to grow up in. I want to grow. Father, I pray right now for every person that had their hand raised. I pray 
And I'm thankful that, God, we were bold enough and honest enough to say, yeah, there's some areas I got to grow in. There's some, there's some things I need to let God begin to speak to me. And even though I don't like what he's saying, I got to begin to listen to him. And God, I just thank you for those. And I pray, God, that this would be pressed on us throughout the week. We would not simply forget about it when we leave here. But God, we would do something about it. And we'd say, okay, I want to get involved. I want to get, I, I get going. And we begin to do something about it. God, I pray even more for those that know they should have raised their hand. Some may even be a little ticked off right now because something said just really hit them. But God, I'm just simply the spokesperson. I'm just simply the messenger of what you had to say today. So God, I just pray that throughout this week you would begin to gently deal with them. And I don't see the things that need to change in them. And that we would begin to grow in you. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. I hope that if you call this place home, you know that Denise and I love you. But I really feel like God has been leaning, especially, man, I was talking to Dee, but even before I went to the hospital, I felt like God was beginning to deal with me on growing our people up. And that means discipleship. And I've been on this, man. I'm trying to find the discipleship program that our men can, I can use with our men, that we can use with our women, our teenagers, because I truly believe God is looking for disciples. And some of you, man, that, that, that's what today was about, real, noticing things in your life that need to change and begin to grow. Because it's one thing to say, I want to change. But how, how, you know that person says, I want to change this area of my life. And they've been saying that for 15 years. And they never change because they never do anything different. But I want, I want you to grow. I want you to flourish in your life. I want to see you, man, just like a springboard where you leave this place and you are so pumped up about what God wants to do in and through you. But the revival, let it start with who? Me. Me. Maybe we quit praying for revival and just start being the revival being the revival I um, they're going to they're going to sing this I don't even sure who's closing out who's closing out Pastor Ben um, I want to say this you want to serve you want to get baptized you want to find out more one of the eight things that connect card you got a connect card let me get one let me see one of those And we're getting we're, we're 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 trying to even get more tech savvy, where we're going to put a QR code up here in the next couple of weeks, where you can just hold your phone up there, get it, and it'll take you to the page uh, of what you want to know about in Decatur, Tennessee. <laughs> QR code. Some of y'all are going to go home and Google what a QR code is. <laughs> That's all right. I'm learning myself. I always ask your name. You don't want to put your phone number. I get it. Email. And, and we will be in touch with you 
this week. You want to get baptized? You want to serve? You want to find out more about New to the Bar coming? Fill it out. We will get a hold of you this week. But guys, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this. I don't want this to be just another church. I want warriors. I want an army that leaves this place on fire and goes out and infects the community they're a part of. I want to see a pandemic of the gospel. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. I want to see it when they think one stage is dying down. Well, we've got a new variant of the gospel coming through. This is even affecting even more people. That's what I want to see. But it starts with you guys. I love y'all. And I would apologize for going a little long, but I believe this was God's word for us today. Pastor Ben. Same gospel. Man. New, new gospel. Same gospel, just uh, new ways 